Happy Easter, and thank you for your steadfast dedication to our Lord Jesus Christ. In this celebration of our Lord's resurrection, Pastor Lau and Pastor Da would like to welcome you to the following Easter message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's teaching that will change your life with love, joy, and peace in Jesus. And now, Pastor Lau. The book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 8 and 9, the Lord said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange and new ideas. Your spiritual strength comes from God's special favor, not from ceremonial rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. I'm glad that our Lord is the same. He has never changed, and he never will change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Lord is the healer. He's still the healer today. The Lord is the deliverer. He's still the deliverer today. The Lord is our peace. He's still our peace today. Amen. Today, I would like to talk about the message of Christ's resurrection. We want to spend some time to learn about the importance or the impact and the significance of his resurrection upon our life. We're going to look at some scriptures and we will learn about this truth, about the impact of Christ's resurrection on our life today in year 2011. But before we understand the impact of resurrection, I would like to bring you back 2,000 years ago and let's have an imagination together what happened on that day before Jesus Christ was crucified. And on that day before he was crucified, he was surrounded by a group of Roman soldiers. And his back was full of blood. His back was full of wounds that was caused by the beating of the lead tip whip. I'm going to read the scripture to you and let's have imagination together. In John chapter 19 verses 1 to 5, then Pilate had Jesus flocked with a lead-tripped whip. The soldiers make a crown of long, sharp thorns and put it on his head. And they put a royal purple robe on him. Hail Jesus, King of the Jews, they mocked. And they hit him with their fist. Pilate went outside again and said to the people, I'm going to bring him out to you now, but understand clearly that I find him no guilty. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate said, here is the man. In this situation, one of the soldiers made a crown of thorns. And this is not a thistles with little, little thorn, but it's long, sharp, and very heavy thorn. And he proudly showed to the crowd that I have a thorn for your king. And with all his might, he thrust that thorn upon his head. Definitely, that thorn really tore the scalp and went into his scalp. And I can imagine how painful it is. I believe the pain just shot from his head down to his whole body. Every few weeks, I will put the thorn, put the pin on somebody's head in order to perform head surgery. 
And every time I put that pins on somebody's head, I say to the anesthesiologist, "I hate this part." And another man will say, "I like to do that to my ex-girlfriend." <laughs> I'm serious. This is a conversation every time I perform brain surgery that I hate this part to put that pins on somebody's head. But I believe that that's what even worse with Jesus Christ that the cloud of thorn was puncturing into his. Skull, and then the blood soaked out. The sweat on his face started to mix with the blood, and that blood was the blood of the innocent man. That blood was the blood of a man who did no wrong, the son of the living God. But the world hated him. In Acts chapter ten, verse thirty-eight, the Bible describes who Jesus is, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. With the Holy Spirit and power, and how He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with Him. When Jesus was walking on earth two thousand years ago, He did not do anything wrong. He was a sinless, spotless Lamb of God. He did not sin. He was a perfect and blameless, spotless, sinless Son of God. Not only that, he went out to do good things. He healed the sick. He delivered people from the oppression of the enemy. But he was arrested because the world hated him. Then all of a sudden, the soldier ripped off his cloth, and he was standing there only with loy cloth on his body, and they put the purple robe on his body. You know, the purple robe in that generation represent. The dignity or the honor. Therefore, the people, the Roman officer who have the highest rank in the society, will wear the purple robe. Why did they do that to Jesus? So that they can humiliate him, make fun of him, insult him. They bow down in mockery, and they insult Jesus and say, "You're the king of the Jews." Long live the king! Good health to the king! What can I do for you to make you better? And look at what the Bible continued to say about the event before the resurrection. Mark chapter fourteen verse sixty-five. Then some of them began to spit at him, and they blindfolded him, hit his face with their fist. Who hit you that time, you prophet? They jeered. And even the gods were hitting him as they led him away. Wow, mockery end up to be very, very violent scene here. They blindfolded him, they hit him, smack him on his face, punch him on his face, and then they even insulted him by saying, "You are the prophet. Can you tell us who hit you?" And one the translation say that they hit him on his face with their fists. Now you can see how much suffering that the Lord Jesus had to go through for all of you and me. John chapter six verse thirty-eight, the Bible say, "For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me." Another part of the Bible, the Lord Jesus say, "Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me." Yet not my will, but yours be done. I believe that in the physical body, 
Jesus Christ did not want to go through that pain and suffering. He knew that it was very bad to go through humiliating and insulting situation like that. But and even one time he spoke to the Father, Father, if there is any way you can take this cup of suffering and pain away from me. If there is any way to save mankind from sin and hell and bondage and the work of the enemy, by other means, can you do that? But Jesus knew that there was no other way to save man from sin and hell and curses. Therefore, he said, "Not my will, but your will be done." So Jesus willfully gave up his life for all of us. Jesus willfully. Suffer for us, so that we can have eternal life and have it more abundantly. And on that Friday, he was carrying his cross on to the Mount of Calvary, and then they put the nails into his hand and legs into that cross. And at that moment, the sun refused to shine. At that moment, darkness covered the earth, and. The story is not to the end yet, because Jesus was raised from the dead three days later. Amen. It seemed like he was defeated, but the story is not to the end yet. Matthew chapter twenty-seven verse forty-six. And about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, "Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani," which means, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" A couple hours later, after he was hanged on the cross, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, "Father, why have you forsaken me?" Do you know why he said that? Because on that cross, he bore the sins of the whole world, from the first generation to now and to the future. The sins of the past, the sin of the today, and the sin of the future. The sin of all of us in this room were put upon his body. And the father could not stand seeing sin on his body, so the father turned his face away and rejected him, because he carried the sin of the whole world. And that's why Jesus said, "Father, why have you forsaken me?" Jesus was forsaken, so that we would be accepted by the Father. Jesus was rejected, so that we can come to the throne room of God, and we are accepted by God. We will not be forsaken by God anymore. Therefore, the first impact of resurrection is that we can have confidence that God loves us and He has forgiven our sins. But what we need to do is to receive that forgiveness. The Bible says in First Peter chapter three verse eighteen, He died for our sins once for all, the just for the unjust. The just means Jesus. The righteous. For the unrighteous, the innocent, for the guilty, so that he could make a way that he could come safely and freely to God. At that moment, there is an exchange that Jesus received our sin, and we become the righteousness of God if we put our faith in Him, and we receive His forgiveness, and we are accepted by the Father. In Luke chapter twenty-three, verse forty-six. Jesus called out with a loud voice, "Father, into your hands I commit my spirit." When he had said this, he breathed his last. 
In Matthew chapter 27, the Bible says, When Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Do you know that no one killed Jesus? He gave up his spirit. No one took his life. He willingly gave up his life for all of us. And at the moment, the curtain of the temple was torn into two, from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rock split. At that moment, Jesus, willing to die for our death. And the death of the creator of the universe, the creator of this earth, caused the earth to tremble. The earth that was created by the creator named Jesus saw the death of the creator and the earth trembled and the rock split. That death of Jesus Christ was one of the most important part of the world history to the point that the earth quake happened at that moment. But thank God, because of his death, now the curtain in the temple was split. Do you know that this is very significant? Because in the Old Testament, the presence of God was only in the inner room or the most holy place of the temple. And the people could not get in there to be in the presence of God. The veil or the curtain that was torn indicates that the presence of God has come out from the man-made temple building and now he dwells in all of us. In all the believers, the presence of God lives on the inside of us. That is the good news. The Lord Jesus Christ opened the door for all of us to have the presence of God on the inside of us. In that generation, only the high priest could get into the most holy place, which is a secluded and very sacred place. No one could get into that room, the most holy place. And the high priest went in there only once a year, and if he made any mistake, he would die instantly. So this is a very critical and very serious ceremony. When he went in there, he would bring the blood of an animal as sacrifice. And he would pour and spill on the altar of the Ark of the Covenant. For the atonement of the sin of himself and the sin of the whole nation of Israel for one year only. So next year, the high priest had to do it again for the sin of the whole nation for one more year. They have to keep doing that again and again every single year. And now the veil has been torn. Now there is no room called the most holy place anymore. There is no altar of the Ark of the Covenant anymore. What are we going to do in this generation? How are our sin going to be forgiven and erased and eradicated? Because there is no blood of the animal anymore. I want to show you the scripture. The resurrection of Jesus Christ really impacts our future, eternal future. In John chapter 20, verses 16 to 17, Mary, Jesus said, she turned toward him and exclaimed, Teacher! And then Jesus said, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. In this incident, Jesus was raised from the dead. And Mary went to the tomb, and she noticed that the body was gone. And she met Jesus 
But Mary thought that Jesus was a gardener. So Mary asked Jesus, "Who took the body of Jesus away, my Lord away? Could you please tell me so that I will take that body back?" And then Jesus called Mary. At that moment, Mary recognized the voice of the Lord, and because of her love and dedication for Him, Mary wanted to hug Him and want to worship Him right away. But Jesus pulled back and said, "Don't cling to me. Don't hug me right now." And He continued to say, "Because I have not gone to the Father." What significant is this in the Gospel of John? Later on. He allowed Thomas to touch his hand. Later on, he was sitting and eating food and meal with his disciple. In other words, they touched his body. But at that moment, he did not allow Mary to touch his body, and he said, "The reason because I have not gone back to the Father." I want to read you the scripture. What is the significance of this resurrection in Hebrews chapter nine, verse seven, eleven to fourteen? But into the second part, the most holy place, the high priest went alone once a year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sin committed in ignorance. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of his creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with His own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Jesus Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offer Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? This is why Jesus said to Mary, "Don't touch me," because at that moment, he has a new body, and he still have the holy blood, his holy blood, and he has to go to heaven, not into the temple that made by man, but the temple of God in heaven, and he, as our high priest, he went into the most holy place himself, as the high priest, and also as the Lamb of God. That shed the blood for mankind to redeem man from the punishment of sin, and he sprinkled or poured his own blood on the altar in the most holy place in heaven, so that we can have eternal redemption once for all, one time for all the people all over the world. Today, I'm glad that as the pastor, I don't need to kill animal anymore. I'm glad that I don't need to carry the blood of animal into the church and pour on the altar in front of everybody, because the blood of Jesus Christ was shed and sprinkled on the altar in heaven once for all, and then He came back to meet the disciple. After that, so at that moment He has not gone to heaven to sprinkle His blood yet. Eternal redemption. What does it mean? Eternal redemption. It means eternal release from our sin. We don't need to have the blood of the animal anymore. Nothing is better than that. We can have eternal redemption, and that's why Christians are happy people, because sin cannot drag us to hell anymore. 
because sin cannot have impact on our life anymore. Because when God look at us and see the blood of Jesus upon us, Amen. Some of you may say that, but Pastor Lau, you don't know what I did many years ago. It was terrible. I don't think God loved me enough, and I think God wiped me out from His book now. I did some terrible thing in my life. I want to tell you the truth that there is no kind, one kind of sin. There is no sin that is bad enough or serious enough that God cannot erase from the book and cleanse you by the blood of Jesus Christ. Any kind of sin, whether bad or, or little sin or big sin or the worst sin that man can do or will do, can be eradicated by the blood of Jesus Christ. You are not too far gone until Jesus or God forget you. He can save you. He can wipe out the sin of your life by His blood. Amen. The Bible say that by the blood of Jesus we are cleansed from all unrighteousness. Everyone say all. all, not just part of it. All unrighteousness are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Under the old covenant, the sins. Of the Jewish people were covered only once a year, but in the New Testament we have a better promise and better covenant that our sins are totally, everyone say totally, and completely, and forever washed away, once for all. Amen. That's why John the Baptist called Jesus, "Behold, the Lamb of God." That takes away of the sin of the whole world. That's why one translation say our sin have been eradicated and totally erased. And another favorite version say, God has cleared our record. When people file bankruptcy, they have a record with the government for seven years. They are waiting for seven years to be the end. Then their record is clear. As a doctor. If I have a lawsuit, my record will be at Olympia Department of Licensing that I have a lawsuit, and the record will be there for seven years. But thank God, our records are completely clear because God remember our sin no more. Amen. When you believe in Jesus, when you accept His forgiveness and allow His blood to cleanse you, you are instantly, immediately. And without question, unconditionally clears the record of your life. God remember your sin anymore? If you say, "God, you remember in year 2005 I did this," God say, "What? I don't remember." That's what the Bible say in Hebrew chapter 8 verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. So God remember your sin no more. The problem is that. God doesn't remember, but you remember. And the devil is expert. He, his specialty is to bring condemnation and guilt to you, and try to, to remind you of your past sin that you did many years ago. And then you live in condemnation and guilt, and you feel that you are not deserving the mercy and the goodness and the blessing of God. I want to encourage you today. That is a lie of the enemy. Don't remember your sin. Forgive yourself. Everyone, point to yourself and say, "I forgive myself." If God does not remember my sins, 
I will not remember my sin either. The past is the past. Don't let the past bother you anymore. Amen. Forgive your own self. You rise up and tell the devil, "Get out of my way," because the Bible says that there, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And you can say, "God, thank you so much. The blood of Jesus Christ give me eternal redemption. My record is clear now." You remember my sin no more. I will forgive myself. I will forgive my brothers and sisters. I don't remember my past anymore. I will not let my past mistake, my past failure, bother me anymore. Amen. So that's the first impact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That after He raised from the dead, He went up to the temple in heaven, in the most holy place, and He poured out His own blood, the blood of the perfect man, perfect Lamb of God. To cleanse you from guilt, conscience, and all unrighteousness. Amen. Let's give hand to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Look at our number two. The second impact of resurrection in Hebrews chapter four verse sixteen. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in need. In Hebrews chapter ten. Verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having bonus to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus Christ, the second impact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that He shed His blood, He poured His blood onto the altar. The Bible says that so that we can approach the Father, the God of grace, with bonus. Don't let anyone deceive you that you cannot talk to God directly. Don't let anyone come to tell you that if you want to talk to God, you need to go to Pastor Lao first, and he will talk to God for you. The blood of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, give us the confidence and the assurance that we can approach God directly. We don't need to go to intermediary. We don't need to go to the middleman. We don't need to go to the priest. We don't need to go to Mary, the mother of Jesus. We don't need to go through Saint Peter or Saint Paul. I believe that if Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Saint Peter and Saint Paul are standing here right now, they will tell you the same message: Don't come to me. You can talk directly to God. I'm not your middle man or middle person. You can come directly to God, and you can talk to God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ give us the assurance that. We can speak to God, listen to God directly without a middle person. Amen. Everyone say thank you, Jesus. And the third impact on our life, besides we are forgiven, our sins are forgiven, and also we can directly go to God. The third impact is that because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, we can have power and authority over the devil. And demon forces. I believe that this is my imagination. At the time Jesus was on the cross, and he said, "Father in heaven, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing." And I give up my spirit, and he breathed the last breath. At that moment, I believe that there was a big party, victory party, like in the locker room after the Super Bowl. The, all the demons and all the fallen angels and Satan is the head. Come together with a celebration party. 
and they drink and they having good time and have fun. And then Satan say, "We did it! We did it! I told you that we could defeat the Son of God, and now we are in control. Now we can control the whole world because the Son of God is gone now. He died. Are you glad that you follow me? Are you glad that you rebel against the Father and come down to earth and follow me?" And in the midst of that drinking and having fun and celebrating together, suddenly, one of the demons saw a man walk from far away, and that demon called out a friend, "Wow, he is not one of us because he's not in the party." And that man walked with bonus and confidence. And as this man come closer to the party. Everyone say, "Oh no! It's our worst nightmare. He's back. Here come the Son of the Living God. He was raised from the dead." And Jesus looked at the devil's eyes and say, "I'm sorry, I spoiled your party. You celebrated too soon because I have come back." Amen. And the Bible say clearly, this is how Jesus destroy or disarm or dethrone or demoralize and defeated the devil forever. His defeat is done and complete, and there's no more defeat than this. This is what the Bible say in Colossians chapter two, verse 15. I read from New King James version and read from another version. Having disarmed principalities mean fallen angels and powers, or this fallen angel that followed Satan. He made a public. Everyone say public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Another translation say, Jesus disarmed the principality and power range against us, and he made a bold display and a public example of Satan's defeat. Okay, on the cross. Jesus died for our sin, and after that, he rose from the dead, and he went down to the pits to preach the gospel to the soul that has been lost before the time of Noah. In hell, he defeated Satan by his power. He knocked him down, but this was not happening in the kind of close room behind the door. Last weekend, I cast out demon from one lady. Big demon come out of her. And I did it in front of public. Everyone say public. Some church leader told me, Pastor Lau, if you're going to cast out demon, why don't you have a special ceremony in another room so that no one can see this thing? Just hide it. Don't let people see demon come out from people. I say no way. If Colossians 2:15 say that God perform victory in public. He make it clear to the eyes of all demons and eyes of all the fallen angels that your boss Satan is defeated forever. In front of public, everyone can see in the heavenly realm. All the demons look. Oh, my boss was totally defeated. What a memory they have! I think they have a memory of the blood of Jesus Christ torture the devil that day. Jesus did not want any question later on, two thousand years ago. That he did the job or not, he did not want any controversy. He is everything, and the devil is nothing. Amen. 
He disarmed the devil. He polarized him and rendered him powerless. He is the undisputed champion of all time. No more argument that he is the defeated one, but he is the undisputed champion because he defeated the devil in public and everyone could see it. No more argument, no more question, no more controversy. He has brought Satan to nothing. Amen. Or he has brought Satan to zero. Everyone say Satan is eternally and completely defeated. It's forever settled. Jesus is the King of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. You know, Satan did his best to destroy Jesus, but his best is not enough. Because on that day, Jesus came out from the grave clothed. And he's standing with a smile on his face and say, I am he that live. I was dead, but behold, I am alive. And not for a little while or for a few hundred years, but I alive, I'm alive forever. I'm the king of all kings and the lord of all lords. Do you know that when you come against the enemy, when demon and Satan come against you, what do they see? They don't see you. They see the blood of Jesus upon your life. They see the blood of Jesus all, all over you, and they're terrified. But many Christians don't know that, so that they can deceive you and attack you, because you don't know that you have authority and power. And that blood upon your life reminds the demons that you remember that day Jesus grabbed the neck of Satan and defeated him in front of public. Everyone see it. So every time I lay hand on, on people who have demons and cast demons out, I don't get sweat. I just look and say, you remember, 2,000 years ago, your boss, the devil, has been defeated already completely. And I just smile and say, get out of here. And at that time, demon remember that 2,000 years ago, Jesus defeated their boss completely by the blood of Jesus Christ. As a believer, we have no business in living a life of fear and defeat and misery anymore. Some of you are waiting for God to help you to come out from addiction, to come out from sickness and problem and poverty and curses. But God is waiting for you to do your part. He already did his part. Jesus already won the battle for you. 2,000 years ago, it was done. You have to do your part. What do you do? You need to rise up with faith. Rise up in victory instead of complaining and whining and allowing the devil to torture you. You rise up and begin to use the right that belongs to you in the name of Jesus and command the devil to get out of your life and go away from me. Get out of here. I command you with authority of the name of Jesus Christ. No matter what the devil has done to you and your family, you have the right. You have the authority. You have the power in the name of Jesus to defeat them because the victory has been given to you already. But you need to rise up and do your part. Amen? What does resurrection do to us? Number one, 
our sins have been forgiven forever. Eternal redemption. We don't need to go to hell. God accepts us as His children, and we are the, in the eyes of God, we are His children. And we have the righteousness of God in us. We can stand with a shoulder up and know that I deserve the blessing of God and the mercy of God. Number two, we can approach God directly without the middleman. We can talk to God every day, day and night, and God will listen to us and God will answer us. Number three, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have authority and power over the work of the enemy. It's not enough just to know about this truth today. A lot of people are going to hell, even though their sins are forgiven. You know why? Because they never act on this truth. In order to have all these three things happen to your life, you need to act on them. Number one, you need to say, Lord, I repent of my sin. I want to give my life to you. I receive the forgiveness that you accepted the blood of Jesus on that altar 2,000 years ago. After he was raised from the dead, he went up to heaven and he poured his own blood on the altar in the most holy place in heaven. And you accepted that for me. My sins are forgiven forever, once for all. I accept that. I want to walk with Jesus. And number two, you act on it by start talking to God every single day. And number three, you begin to rise up and you begin to exercise your authority and your power in the name of Jesus. Whenever the devil tries to attack you, you say, get out of here. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Your job is to submit to God, and you resist the devil. God does not resist the devil for you. You resist the devil yourself, because you have authority and power to do that. Amen? This is why Christians all over the world celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ on this Sunday. And because the resurrection of Jesus Christ has so much impact on our life. Everyone say, my sins are forgiven. Everyone says, I can talk to God directly. And number three, I have power and authority over the enemy. This morning, some of you may be believers already. I want to encourage you to put this into practice. Act on it. But some of you may know about Jesus and about the Bible. Some of you may accept the Christ a long time ago, but you have walked away from the relationship with Him. You know, in order to really stay in His family, you need to keep the relationship. Because Jesus said that, I never know you because you never have a relationship with me. So if you accepted Jesus a long time ago, but you walk away, let's come back home. This is not a religion. This is a family of God. Come back to the family of God. I want you to rededicate your life today again and say, God, from today on, I will seek you with all my heart. I will follow you. I will go to church. I will read the Bible. I will serve you. I will get involved. I will worship you. I will get to know you more and more. I'm not going to walk away from you anymore. But some of you may be the first time that you hear this message, hear the good news that Jesus was not a dead God, but He is a living God, and He can help you. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
He can bring healing to your life. He can save you. You just say in the name of Jesus, you can come to God directly. If you want to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you today to pray with me. Amen. How many people want to have relationship with Jesus Christ? Raise your hand up and wave to Him. I want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. How many people say from today on I will walk with Jesus? Raise your hand up. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Raise your hand up. How many people want to go to hell? I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. If the devil is real, if Satan is real, you can see today the things that happen in the world. You can see that hell is real. Amen. The devil, darkness is real. Cancer is real. Sickness is real. Demons are real. I don't want to be on their side. I want to be with the side of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I need His protection. So it's our choice every single day whether we're going to walk with the devil and the devil is your father. Many of you may say, you know, God is my father too. It's not true. God is the father only to those who believe in Him. I can quote the scripture and show you. It's true. Either you have God as your father or you have the devil as your father. Let me find a scripture and read to you. John chapter 8 verse 44. Jesus was talking to the very strict religious leader. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Let me ask you one more time. You want God to be your father? Or you want the devil to be your father? The devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Amen? If you follow the devil, he will destroy you one day. The final destruction is hell. But in the earth here, he will steal your money. He will kill you with sickness and disease. He will destroy your family, destroy your joy, your happiness. He will come and destroy you. I want to make choice to have God as my father, the holy God. Let me ask one more time. Who want God the creator as your father? Raise your hand up. Who wants the devil to be your father? Raise your hand up. You cannot stand in the middle, unfortunately. You have to make choice. If you deny God, you automatically choose the devil to control your life. He is the God of this age. Amen? If you want Jesus to become your God, become your Father, let's pray. Why don't you follow my prayer? If you want to do that, why don't you stand up and pray with me? Stand up and pray with me. Father in heaven, I want to repent of my sin. I thank you, Lord, that your Son, Jesus Christ, the perfect Lamb of God did not stay in the tomb. He was raised from the dead. And I want Jesus, the living God, to be my God, my Father, my Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead on the third day. He disarmed the enemy. 
and He gave me salvation, forgiveness, liberty, freedom, direct relationship with God, and power and authority. Lord Jesus, be my God and my Savior. Live inside me. I am your temple. I follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Congratulations. We're gonna sing a song, and after that, uh, if you want me to pray for you, I will lay hand and pray for you. Some of you may be sick. Some of you may be tortured by certain problem in your life. I will pray, and we're gonna exercise the power of resurrection. Amen. To set you free, the power of resurrection. Amen. We stand up and sing together. This message has brought you joy and peace this Easter celebration. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. Happy Easter. The Lord gave us Jesus Christ. I'm gonna praise